both the voicemails are from uh, Vyasa's friends. So should we should we do them or? Um, no, we should wait for. Um, yeah. Well, for Vyas, for Vyas. I mean, I'm here to fill in for Vyas, right? That, I'm like replacement that, Vyas. That is true. Yeah. Yes. So, like, I was planning to loudly munch on croutons for the entire episode, <laughs> but it turns out I don't have any croutons in my apartment because I don't live with my mom because I'm a 33 year old man. <laughs> <laughs> Speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. Folks, welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. A very special post-trade that led uh, deadline edition of Roxy. You want to restart? Yes, I do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Welcome to a very special post-trade deadline edition of Roxy Fever. I am your host, Jackson McDonald. With me today, Elliot Hoy. Yes. And the Osirin. And conspicuously <laughs> absent. <laughs> Our dear uh, brother in arms, Vyasaran. Are you sure I can hear him? I think. <laughs> I think uh, he's here. Sounds like him. In his stead. Did a PS4 just boot up in the background? <laughs> no, that's my Nintendo Switch. Uh, <laughs> I am playing Mario Kart right now again. Um, because I, I, I figured the the two of us could kind of tag team the Vias role. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, it takes a village, right? You Not just one person can fill the, oh, fill the whole shoot. Yeah. And so, you know, a few days ago, I guested on Justin's show uh, to scream about the Tanner Pearson extension mm-hmm. and um, kind of what it said about the ownership and the organizational philosophy. And so I thought, who better to be on this edition of Rise? I thought, I thought Vias is missing, and who owes me a favor currently? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in fairness, uh, yes, I did think that, but I was, but I also was thinking the you know sort of conceptual symmetry thing that uh, I was just outlining there. Uh, so it wasn't uh, just that you owe me a favor. I'm I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm happy to be here, even well, if I'm happy to have you. I owed you. So Always a pleasure. Obviously. Um, oh, I'm Justin Morissette, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get, actually get to yeah. that part. I mean, I assume at, by this point that uh, anybody who listens to us knows, but you never know. This could yeah, be my name is episode. probably in the title of the episode. Probably it, it is. So. Yeah, yeah. I can. I'm from the future, and so, or apparently, I'm I'm from the future, considering uh, the big piece of news that just dropped, like literally a few minutes before we started recording, is that Elliot Friedman says Jim Benning is going to be back next year. Uh, you probably don't have to be from the future to know that. And 
actually, I guess I'm not from the future because in my infinite hubris, we <laughs> recorded a couple days ago, uh, assuming that <laughs> nothing was going to happen. And um, nothing did happen in the grand scheme of things. But Adam Gaudet or, uh, finds himself on his way out. Sorry, I'm very tired uh, and emotionally and physically exhausted. So I might be a little crazy on this one, which is why I invited you, the host of another show, to be on. <laughs> I just got the COVID vaccine and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess we'll start there. Adam Gaudet uh, packing his bags to Chicago in exchange for Freddie Highmore, who I will never refer to by his correct name. <laughs> yes. Uh, the kid from Finding Neverland is exactly exchange. The good doctor himself is uh, making his way to the city, actually, where the good doctor films, apparently. I'm pretty sure. Anyways. Well, that's why, you know, they've been talking a lot about, you know, making the taxi squad as efficient as possible, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, why not just get a guy who's already in Vancouver, right? <laughs> yeah, He's exactly. filming the good doctor. <laughs> Yeah, KJ Apo was unavailable. Yeah. Uh, Uberdale is a little too intensive right now for him to sneak away after their six-year time jump or whatever they did. He fought in the war, of course. So uh, <laughs> I, I, why do I know what happens on Riverdale, a show that I've not watched since the first? Well, there was that promo of it with like the war <laughs> taking place on the school football field, which <laughs> everyone saw because it was just so insane. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. amazing. Of course, that's why. Um, yeah, they're trying to build an entire roster out of uh, like <laughs> Netflix and CW shows currently filming here. I mean, they're gonna need as many bodies as they can get if uh, the schedule we've seen is uh, accurate, I guess. But and that's um, basically what the, the White Caps celebrity game is every year. It's yeah. like it's like all those CW Netflix people playing against like <laughs> Perry Solkowski. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess uh, the, the obvious place to start here is with um, the biggest trade of the day. Worth noting that the Canucks also swapped some picks around. Jordy Ben is gone. Madison Bowie is here now. Mm -hmm. Not a ton of interesting stuff going on there. So I think we can pretty much just skip straight to Godet. I mean, Madison Bowie is kind of interesting, but not for any reasons that are related to he himself. Yeah, you know? exactly. No. It's what his contract does for them and allows them yes. to going forward. And we could talk a, a little bit about that later on, but it's yeah, it's not particularly that interesting. It's it's uh, it's just, you know, it's maneuvering for uh, the expansion draft or whatever. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, obviously there's a lot of layers to the Goddad story, but I think the first place is the, like the obvious place to start is just with the return what do you guys think of this trade? Uh, good move. Something more accurate, maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think like on its merits, like maybe it's pretty nothing for nothing. But it's just really funny that, I mean, Godet's at a really low shooting percentage. He's at a really low, you know, PDO. So they kind of sold low on him, if anything. Well, Godet has a very specific skill set that uh, kind of optimizes him for one role in particular that the Canucks just seemed to never want to put him in, which is uh, top six winger. You know, his foot speed yeah. looked considerably improved this uh, uh, season, I thought. Yeah. Uh, his shot is still very impressive, even if it misses the mark more often than he might like. But yeah, his PDO was extremely 
extremely low, which means it's probably going to go up and he's probably going to get relatively close again in the future to the level of point production that he saw uh, last season prior to the COVID stoppage, where he was, I think, like a 33 point player or something like that. Something like that. That Um, sounds right. Yeah. You know, I don't know if he's if he's uh, uh, going to be a consistent 40 point guy throughout his career or if he's even going to have much of a career. But if he was going to be that guy, it wasn't going to be on a third line checking role with, you know, Antoine Roussel or whatever. It was going to be playing wing with uh, any number of your top six centers, whether that's, um, you know, Bohorvat, obviously, or I think the better fit for him would be after Pedersen got injured and has been gone for you know several months now, it feels like, uh, <laughs> if you just slotted him in next to JT Miller and let um, a guy with speed and a good shot take feeds from, from Miller, because I just can't for the life of me understand why this team has no problem giving Jake Vertanen that opportunity over and yeah. over and 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 over. <laughs> and over and over and over and over and over again and couldn't deign to to give Adam Gaudet that shot even once. So that is uh, an over for every time. uh, Ah, fuck. No, I was just going to say it until I ran out of breath. Yeah, fair enough. Pretty much what happened there. I could have just gasped and continued saying over for an hour. I thought you took a breath when Jackson and I laughed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, fair enough. Um, but, you know, like that is a, a role that they have given to guys who frankly don't deserve it. You know, Jake Bertanen does nothing to deserve it. Jace Harrelock has seen games in that spot. He doesn't deserve it. Um, I'm not saying that Adam Gaudet necessarily has done the work to deserve it either, but they really made him out to be an entitled little shit in the post-trade press conference. No kidding. Like, oh, yeah. he, he wanted a role and we just didn't see that in him. It's like you never even tried it. So, of course, he's going to be mad that he didn't get a chance when he sees Jake Bertanen get chances ahead of him over and over again. Not to continue saying over and over and over, but, you know, (laughs) um, like that is, you know, the there is a a negative effect on your culture, I think, by allowing the Jake experiment to continue indefinitely, because you are asking for accountability from guys who get to look at another guy who's just like them, who doesn't ever have those rules apply to him who comes into camp out of shape every single year, who never does the work and it never seems to matter. So if you're Adam Gaudet, yeah, I would be fucking pissed if I was him looking at like the, the opportunities that I'm not getting when comparing myself to guys who are frankly not doing the work that I think I am. I don't know if that's the case, if, if Gaudet really like felt slighted by that or whatever, but if he wanted a bigger role for himself, and saw the opportunity there. It is there. It was there. He's not wrong to think that. Um, but for him to get traded away without ever really getting that chance is, is frustrating to me. And I, I think that it's he's frustrating because, like, what did they really have to lose? Like, yeah, has yeah. this team been good? No. And he's going to a situation in Chicago that, like, you know, Chicago is a bad team, but they have good players. Um, and they and they have open holes i think on some of their scoring lines there is a, a real chance here that Godet uh can really kind of take off if he's put in the right role maybe it doesn't happen maybe he's washed out of the league within a year and a half but uh he's gonna get that chance in chicago and he never got that chance here this season you mentioned um him sort of being uh i guess primed for a 
top six winger role on this team, but another role that I had sort of envisioned him in that I think is maybe a bit more likely at this stage in his career is just the uh, scoring fourth line, you know, Sam Gagne type player, which was honestly, frankly, like even though he was nominally the Canucks third line center last year, really that's basically how Travis green played him. He played, played him mainly with Jake Vertanen and Antoine Roussel in buttery soft minutes Mm -hmm. uh, as basically like a scoring fourth line, because that's what he could do with those three guys. And, you know, worth noting that neither of his line mates from that season have done shit since either, but he is apparently the uh, guy who needs to be on his way out. So we we know why that is, you know, like let's not play (laughs) stupid as if the COVID situation did not impact this. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think they had wanted to move him prior. I think they'd been, they'd been trying to do it for, uh, the better part of the last year, and he had wanted out for a better opportunity because he understands also that Travis Green is not my guy. Uh, this guy's never going to put any amount of faith in me, and if I want a chance, I'm going to have to find it with another coach on a different team. Um, so, you know, it's sort of come out that he also wanted that new opportunity as well. Uh, they would probably have liked to wait for them to extract any amount of value out of a guy who you know, came in with a decent amount of hype when he arrived a few years ago. But, um, you know, he's he's rightly or wrongly, and personally, I think wrongly, uh, he's being blamed for the entire team's COVID situation by a lot of guys who contracted the virus and then passed it on to their family. And, that, and I understand being extremely pissed about that, but let's be honest, Adam Gaudet is not the only Canuck who ate at a restaurant this season. No, exactly. He happens to be the unlucky one. And once again, you know, obviously, because of my political convictions, it angers me that and obviously, you know, we don't know what's happening behind closed doors, but it angers me that it seems to be that instead of being angry at the NHL or the NHLPA or the team for not keeping them safe, they're mad at a guy who got a disease that everyone is getting right now. Yeah. And that for, and that got it doing something that he was allowed to do at least, you know, unless there's like as, reporters, as far as anyone can tell, as far well, as anyone can tell. I yeah. mean, the, the league recommendations from what it sounds like from, um, from what Michaela basically said on the broadcast women's day live stream yeah. uh, is that the league essentially told them not to do anything that you should never leave your house under any circumstance. Now, that's not rules, to be clear. No. Recommendations. And those are almost unfollowable recommendations. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, you can and argue that's the that- whole gist of, like, Michaela's speech on the broadcast was that these recommendations are uh, completely unreasonable for a person to actually follow. Yeah, she made the case that she is going to pick up groceries for herself and Adam and that she needs to do that because you need to eat food or you'll die. So <laughs> I don't disagree with that entirely. Uh, you can argue that going to a restaurant is a risk and it's an unnecessary risk. But I've eaten in a restaurant in the last six months. I'm sure you probably have, too. Absolutely. Like, like let's be real about this. We 
we're told that it was safe to do. And we've been told to try and support the places that we like so that they can continue to survive and exist after this is all over. You can't then turn around and cry foul when someone does that and they contract COVID because that was always going to be a risk. Um, what I really hate is that the official narrative on this, the story that we've been presented and the pieces that we can fit together, because of course the Canucks never said, well, Adam and Michaela went out for dinner at Global and that's how they contracted you know, P1. We know that that's what happened though, A, because one of the two of them posted an Instagram story uh, on the weekend previous to Adam being pulled off the ice of them being out for dinner at a restaurant. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when they did their press conference explaining how it happened, the Canucks team doctor said they, you know, didn't do anything untoward. They happened to go out into the community and contracted it at a place that we know was a point of public spread. And the government announces those things. And when you look at the timeline in terms of in the city of Vancouver, what was a place of public spread? There's only one. And it was global restaurants. So, <laughs> like, we know what happened. It's it fits together. It all makes sense. And yet there's all these conspiracy theories right now. Like, it, I mean, it's one story that continues to evolve through broken telephone, essentially. Right. Absolutely. Uh, initially, it was. Well, Jake Vertanen had all the guys out for a wild house party in Abbotsford, and that's how they got it. And that <laughs> that rumor was born out of the fact that Jake was one of the guys who recused himself from practice at the same time that Adam was pulled off the ice. Right. Jake didn't actually have the virus then, though, because he came and he skated with the team in the next two days after that. He, he was involved in the morning skate the Wednesday of the game that was canceled and he contracted COVID later than everyone else. He was like two or three days later. <laughs> it's so clear what happened here. You don't have to dig into, uh, you know, wildness or, or poke at the, the seams looking for uh, uh, anything untoward or nefarious. Nothing like that happened here, but it started out with Jake being at a house party in Abbotsford with all the guys. And then JT Miller's been super unhappy, so he went to blow off some steam and Whistler, and he caught the P1 there. And then, it, and now it's like, Michaela Godet went to a big house party in Whistler. Like, yeah. None of this stuff happened. Like, it's very obvious that this did not happen. I mean, some of the complaints about Michaela definitely are starting to sound like, I saw Michaela Godet at a house party with the Broads cast, and then the, one of the Broads looked at me like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because there's also the thing where people are blaming the like the broadcast, which is just incredibly pointless. Yeah. Well, I, I'm. It's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that I couldn't help but notice about this, or rather, an incident that I couldn't help but compare this one to in my mind, was Eddie Lack. Yeah. And when he was traded. And immediately the first thing that comes out is that uh, he's one of these dang millennials who spends too much time on the Facebook and on his phone and yada, yada, yada. And it does kind of seem like there's a bit of a pattern here. Well, let's <laughs> let's outline the exact parallel there as well, because it's not it's it's that he was a young guy who mm -hmm. had struck up a relationship over the course of his uh, minor league career yep. with a reporter in this city who is in the same age range as him. Yeah. And they bonded over playing video games. Yeah. Wyatt Literally. Arp, 
for Eddie Lack and for Adam Gaudet, it was both David Quadrelli and Chris Faber. Yeah. And yeah. that this, these are good things. That is a player who is planting himself as a part of your community and endearing himself to your entire audience, essentially. And if it was 30 years ago, if it was a player struck up a friendship with a reporter because they're both like playing golf in the offseason, no one would bat an eye. Exactly. Like it would just be old boys club. But since it's kids and their games, as much as this is an anti-gaming podcast. <laughs> as Jackson plays Mario Kart. As, as I play Mario Kart, yeah. <laughs> Justice for baby games. That's all I have to say. Um, yeah, and, and I think the... The fact that Michaela has kind of um, over the course of the last couple of seasons also become a bit of a cult figure. Um, I, I don't know. I, I it, it just makes me wonder, I guess. I, I don't know. It just seems sometimes like the team brass or whatever really just doesn't like the idea that anyone would have a life outside of hockey. Yeah. But it's weird because like going back to something you said last time, Jackson, about mm-hmm. how ultimately there's a style of management in which an NHL team might want their fans to engage with the team exactly like a Marvel fan does Marvel movies. Exactly. Which I think really also explains the Adam Gaudet trade because he was a DC guy. Um, <laughs> a second. I don't recall any Palestine versus Israel undertones <laughs> to the Canucks series against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh... <laughs> I don't think the Minnesota play-in series was about the U.S. Uh, surveillance apparatus. <laughs> I, am, I am choosing to ignore these talking points. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that a part of me wonder, I mean, I think there are a lot of factors to this, like that don't just, COVID was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever, or yeah. I mean, it may not even be that. It may just be a convenient excuse, which we know that, this management team loves to trot out a good excuse whenever something bad happens. I think they clearly felt they needed to get rid of him before the team reconvened to play games again. Yeah. Uh, There's no other way to square the fact that Jim on Friday said, these guys have been through an ordeal. I'm not going to add to that by trading them across the continent. Unless. Unless you happen (laughs) to be the guy who got it first and gave it to everybody. Yeah. Um, but, but I do want to make a point about Michaela before we uh, sure, advance off of that. And I think, actually, Jackson, you might be partially responsible for this. In the oh, first yes, place. absolutely. Because, you know, we had a lot of fun with Adam's uh, tweets from when he was a teenager, uh, whether that was, you know, being, um, you know, saying, saying girls are gay or whatever. Well, I was going to say, you saw that video of him kicking Michaela in the face, right? <laughs> All I have to say is this is a man on record not that long ago saying I don't like girls completely homo. So, <laughs> get into that what you will. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, we we had fun with his mega tweets and the fact that his number was 88 and all this stuff. And I don't think it was ever serious. I never really like was, you know, aboard the idea that this guy must be pilloried for this stuff. And no, you have said many times you. that this was just funny. It's just interesting yeah, yeah. to to see the way that these players are, uh, you know, at their core, stupid children, basically, yeah, which is absolutely. fine, which yeah, is yeah. fine. I don't expect anything else from them. Um, but Michaela clearly had a mission over the last couple of years, certainly over the last year and a half, which was to humanize both herself and certainly Adam as well. 
And, and to do that by being public about things and being open and available and talking to the media and, and having relationships like people and demystifying what a professional athlete is. And personally, you know, not just because it made her accessible and I was able to reach out to her and, you know, t- uh, talk to her about the whole COVID situation a week and a half ago. And, you know, I was trying to get her unlocked on, um, which might still happen. Maybe not. I, I do want to talk to her about exactly what we're talking about right now the demystification of professional athletes. But I also think that's a helpful thing for the Canucks. I don't think that's something that you should push back against because what happens in a market like this, and I'm certainly guilty of it. I think we all are. We go after players hard when they suck real bad, you know, (laughs) which a lot of guys here over the last decade certainly have. And it's a lot harder to do that when you know them as people and and feel the, you know, the human side of it. Um, you know, I, I just think that that project that they took on was a lot about, uh, you know, saving face and redeeming themselves in a PR light, but it's also about just being themselves publicly, which is a good thing. It's good for the team. It's good for everybody. Um, so the fact that, you know, old hockey men uh, not only don't understand that, but would actively push against it is not surprising necessarily, but it is certainly disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I agree completely to pivot slightly away from the uh, COVID element of, uh, or the, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. I'm sorry. Um, God, I'm, I'm so fried guys. I'm, I got to apologize. It's something about having Justin and his uh, effervescent uh, energy around um, must just turn me into a babbling idiot because I was a babbling idiot when I went on his show as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't. No, it really was because you go like a mile a minute and there's like, oh, my shit. There was like three things that I wanted (laughs) to say. That's literally why they all just crash into each other. Like Monty Burns is germs. (laughs) So to pivot away from off ice stuff and talk a little bit more about the actual team and the sort of um, cap considerations and team building considerations and all of that. One thing that you alluded to that I wanted to circle back to was the sort of hype around this guy, because I, I find this whole saga incredibly frustrating as somebody who was pretty vocally against the pick when they made it for people whose memories go back that far. It was in 2016. It was not the kind of pick that you, you ought to spend a, a ton of time getting upset about because I believe he was picked in the fifth round. It certainly was. Um, yep. he was the pick that came back in exchange from New York city for Raphael Diaz. Thank ah, you, yes. Mike Gillis. That's right. Yep. Good, uh, good pull. Um, Raphael Diaz, who came back for Dale Weiss. Yes. <laughs> Matthew Highmore is the extension of the Dale Weiss trade. That's tree. right. So I, what I'm what I wanted to what I wanted to bring up here is that basically watching Godet's career has been very frustrating for me because I just get whiplash watching the takes come out because first he was the reason why you have to have the drafting GM because yep. Jim Benning's the only guy who can get Adam Gaudet in the fifth round. And it seems to me that if the end point of getting Adam Gaudet in the fifth round 
is the fucking star of the good doctor, then who cares? <laughs> who fucking cares it, that you're great at drafting if you're turning, you know, Gustav Forsling into Adam Clendenning, Jared McCann into Eric Branson and Adam Gaudet into some guy. And, and I want to make it clear, too, that I bet Freddie Highmore plays games for the Canucks in the near future and is fine. Like, I yeah. would not I would not even be surprised if we look back at this deal in three years and chalk it up as a minor win for the Canucks. I, I would be very surprised. There's a lot of people who are saying this is exactly like Tyler Mott. I mean, it's not. Yeah, no, Tyler Mott was two years younger at the time that he was acquired, and he showed better at that age as well. The, the odds that this guy can do what Tyler Mott has done are extremely long. The odds that this guy can even be a regular fourth-line contributor are extremely long. Um, it's a nothing piece, and that, to me, is exactly what signals that this was just a move to get rid of this guy because of COVID. Because, um, like... You know, you could have gotten a better return, certainly last year at the deadline. You probably could have gotten a better return, possibly, if you just let him play out the season and tried to deal him at the draft. Um, I just don't, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't see this Highmore character turning into anything personally. I mean, maybe he does, and I'll be wrong. I was wrong about Tyler Mott. I hated Tyler Mott throughout the entirety of his first season here. It took him a full year to turn into what he is now. In fairness, though, I, like I also just want to get out that like Tyler Mott is not that good. Like, <laughs> like he's a serviceable I, fourth liner. Once again, it's it's that it's sort of like how to damn somebody with faint praise. You know, like oh wow, amazing! You turn Thomas Vanek into an out like what is I'm sorry, an average fourth liner. Like a, a guy that we like in Vancouver because he does his job and he's our guy. Like, I think I think there's oh, it was also three uh, shootout wins that definitely helped the draft position. I think there's yeah. a case to be made that uh, if this team was good right now, sure. if this team was actually uh, worthy of contention, um, that you know you could look at Tyler Mott the same way that we look at like Maxim Lapierre from 2011, a fourth liner who in a pinch can step up onto the third line and deliver pretty well there. Um, sure. Yeah, but but yeah. yeah, like because you're not a contender, that piece doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> And that's that is the thing that I'm I've I feel like I've been trying to explain to people for the past few years is that like these little, you know, sort of this this trimming all these little moves that trim along the margins and maybe, uh, you know, improve your fourth line or whatever are don't really add up to much when there's still so much building that needs to happen. And, and one of the things the reason why, like, I haven't been able to bring myself to really even care about Godet being gone you know in addition to the fact that I just don't I never thought that highly of him in the first place um it's just that oh fuck sorry um I thought this was going to help me focus but it's uh, actually made it worse so I'm going to turn it off <laughs> got hit by a blue shell or what I got hit by a blue shell that's exactly what happened um what was I talking about sorry? Oh, that rocks. Yep. You were saying you never liked Adam Gaudet in the first place. Well, I'll, 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 I'll get back to it in a second. I'll remember. Yeah. So like you were okay, saying yeah. that you never thought okay. that highly of Gaudet, but yeah. I always found it very nice to be able to point to like, Hey, this is why you got to trade those nothing guys. Cause like Rafael Diaz, nothing guy. He's Tyler Mott, but a defenseman. 
And we got, you know, this Adam Goddard piece that everyone's stoked about. So that's why these guys should get traded because you never know, right? That was the second pick in the fifth round. Even the Canucks were stoked on Adam Goddard. Like, he had just won the Hobie Baker when he arrived, and he was coming in the year after Brock Besser had come in at the end of the year. And they tried to hype him up exactly like he was like another Besser level piece coming in because he'd won the Hobie Baker. I, if you'll recall, several years ago, uh, was brought in for something called the Influencer Program before my media <laughs> oh, yes. career really took off at the radio station. As it took off. Yeah, I'm still a board operator. It's going to be great. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, but at the time, like they gave me a bunch of tickets to games that I couldn't attend. I gave them all away to friends. Uh, and, and in exchange, they asked me to essentially be a sleeper cell that would be activated at multiple points throughout the season to promote team initiatives that they wanted to get the word out on. And one of the things that I was asked to promote was the video that they produced of Adam Gaudet arriving in Vancouver to sign his contract because they were that hyped on him that this was going to be a really feel-good story. Um, so I understand maybe fans buying into that too, considering that's how he was presented right out the gate. But um, yeah, he's just not that guy. So, <laughs> Well, and now I remember what I was going to say, which is that this is the kind of move that five years ago, I would have been screaming about the process. The reason why I am not upset about it now is because we know the process is bad. This is, you called it the, or yes, I believe it was you who called it the thousandth cut of death by a thousand cuts. I said that about the Tanner Pearson extension. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's just, you know, at the risk of just repeating myself in every fucking episode now, it's just like, we need to come to this understanding of what point we are at in the Canucks life cycle. Mm-hmm. The things that people were worried about, the process, the oh no, death by a thousand cuts, the canary in the coal mine. Canary's dead, so are all the miners. Like it's it's done. The, these these things have concluded, and now we're into damage control. Yeah. And it's hard to trust the people who caused the damage to do the damage control. Yeah, it's like it's like Obama bringing in all of the same guys who tanked the economy to fix the economy. <laughs> exactly. It's literally exactly that. Um, and how did that go? Not great. We're still exactly where we were. Yes. Uh, economically speaking in the United States. And because, of course, we're all stuck under capitalism throughout the whole fucking world. Um, uh, but yeah, like that's exactly what it is. And we were talking about this off the air before we started, just like the moves that they make relative to where they actually are. They like to think that they are in the spot where, you know, Mike Gillis is trading Patrick White to add Christian Ehrhoff, um, except they could never extract value like that. They would no. give up like a package of first round picks for Christian Ehrhoff instead. Um I guess Patrick White technically was a first round pick, but he turned into a second round pick when they didn't sign him. And that's why he had any trade value at all. Anyways, um, you know, that's the kind of move that they are making. They are making moves like they are the uh, 09, 10 or even 10, 11 Canucks right now. That's all of their like moves to bring in guys to push us forward. That's where they think they are. 
but they're the 056 Canucks. Like, this is not where you are. This is not what you should be doing in your life cycle because when you get there, you're not going to have any assets left to spend. And we've been saying that for basically five years, you know? Um, when they got back to warm bodies, essentially, and that's all you can say about the two players who came back from Chicago in two separate trades on Monday. Um, <laughs> like... The the explanation as to why they didn't try to acquire more picks beyond just the Ben trade, which even that, like, come on, look around the league at what guys are going for. Who was able to fetch third, fourth, fifth round picks? Jordy Ben is better than all of those players. They're just terrible at negotiating and awful at selling their own guys. We've seen that consistently in basically every move they make. They overpay for what they bring back and they underpay, like they, they sell for undervalue with every guy they give up again and again. Um, so I mean, there's a direct comparable here. We have Ben and Bowie or Bowie. Yeah. And like they gave up a fifth or they gave up a fourth to get Bowie and then they got a fifth back for Ben and Ben's better. Well, they got a fifth back in the Bowie trade, actually. They, they swapped picks and went down around for the, right. for the pleasure of acquiring a player who cleared waivers the week before. The right. Bowie yes. thing is uh, is so confusing, too, because like they traded Adam Gaudet to Chicago for Freddie Highmore, and then like not too far after that trade happens, and it's just like... Why didn't this just all happen at the same time? I feel like it and would then have, like, not swap picks because yeah, Goddard is a much better player than Matthew Highmore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I was going to say is the justification for not getting more picks back beyond the Ben trade was that this team really needs bodies right now that can contribute in the next one to two years. Well, where have we heard that before? Every single time they do anything for the last seven years and it's never worked out. It doesn't ever pan out. You know, the, the, the absolute maximum optimum return that we can expect from that is, you know, a Tyler Mott or uh, a, a Marcus Granlin or Sven Berchi. Those are the three success stories, and one of the guys is being paid $3.3 million to play in the AHL. So, like, this doesn't work. We've seen it over and over again, and I'll only say over twice there, but I could have said it a lot more. <laughs> I'm so sad, guys. <laughs> I just want this to be over. Yeah. Um, Vias just uh, popped in the DMs here with a, uh, with a question. <clears throat> um so it's still annoying me from uh beyond, beyond the, the grave beyond the grave yeah <laughs> rip vias um he says why did the canucks bye week last like a month has to be jim's lobbying to the league gillis could never anyways big fan of the show keep it up boys um <laughs> always nice to hear from a fan yeah, yeah. uh so i thought that was funny i just thought i'd share it with uh with our listeners there what else is there to get to what else is there to say anything not really i mean yeah like madison bowie is not he's gonna play probably quite a bit down the stretch uh because they need bodies to play these games like this schedule is so stupid but i imagine that you already talked about that on last week's show oh yeah get yeah. uh get get ready for for that you'll i suspect you'll enjoy it. i mean the team's um, not wrong they're gonna need bodies to play out this schedule it's like 19 games in 31 days it's it's going to be a mess. Yeah. And, and really in a situation like this, I, 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 I I'll get out in front of it and say that I really hope that anybody who listens to this show 
I love to shit on people online, but like maybe just go easy on the team over the last uh yeah like the guys yeah. like but, 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 but here's the thing i i think that everybody's gonna be cool no matter what happens because i've yeah. seen a lot of people who i have muted personally because they're abusive chuds who say awful things to me <laughs> who are in like thomas drance has mentioned being like this is outrageous shut down the season i hope yeah, they yeah. never play again like when the worst dudes are on the side of the good right thing to think i really don't think there's going to be like anybody in the market really who's like crying foul about lack of effort when they're playing you know nine games in 14 days or whatever like i just i find that really hard to imagine me the guy whose broken leg got made fun of by a lot of these fucking <laughs> freaks me i find it very hard to imagine that these dudes would shit on the team for performing badly coming out of a COVID outbreak and then having to play the most ridiculous schedule like we've ever seen. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, and once again, if, if you want to be mad at somebody about that, be mad at the league, be, be mad, mad at the, the NHLPA, PA. really be mad at the NHLPA. Honestly, like oh, yeah. that's, that's a wild one. I would love to get into that sometime, but definitely don't be mad at Adam Gaudet because what the fuck, man? And, and don't be mad at like Quinn Hughes, who we learned today is the guy who had to be on IV drips, was the dude who got hit by this the hardest. Oh, man, if he doesn't yeah. look like vintage Hughes down the stretch here, we know why that is. So yeah. maybe don't rip into him. Don't rip into anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it doesn't, I feel like that doesn't even need to be said because it's so self-evident, but I guess we do have a fan base where maybe people do need to be reminded of that every so often. Yeah. I mean, there's only guys who are saying that it's fake, you know, people lose weight when they have the flu or whatever the shit they're saying. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I have a bit less optimism about the reaction. I mean, Elliot Friedman reported today that there's like mixed reaction, even from the Canucks players he's talked to where the guys who didn't have it bad were like, Oh, media coverage of this has been so overblown. Um, (laughs) And the guys who had it real bad were like, media coverage of this did not touch on the full extent of how horrific this was. So, uh, you know, it depends on your experience. I guess you're going to have your own takeaways on what this virus does. But uh, it was a bad time for all of them. And I think we can uh, even even the guys who, you know, were hit relatively mildly, having to watch their friends and in many cases, families deal with this as well. It's a bad time. And yeah, personally, I, I wouldn't play another another game this year if I was the Canucks, but I'm not. Well, I think that's uh, as good a note to, uh, to end on as any. I apologize for just my complete and utter uh, exhaustion, inability uh, to speak the English language. <laughs> I'm very tired. I'm going to be putting just for men in my hair soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, before we sign off, yeah. if you enjoyed me uh, ranting at length throughout this episode over and over and over again, you can, <laughs> of course, hear that on a regular basis over on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, of which I have recently returned to doing five episodes a week um, after, of course, the horrific uh, ordeal with my leg that has consumed the last 
let's say eight months of my life or so at this point. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, if you enjoyed what I said here, I tend to do this sort of thing often with Jackson even, and maybe yep. with Elliot sometime, who knows? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on a, on a daily basis over on that feed. So do check it out. I'll, I'll put it out there right now. I think that locked on Canucks, we can talk about, you know, What's the best Canucks podcast? I think it's debatable. They're all out there. But I think that Locked On Canucks is the most impressive Canucks podcast because Justin does it five days a week and often by himself and never runs out of things to talk about. So, um, yeah, give it a listen. It's very good. Uh, and in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at McDonald. You can follow me at Kayak. You can follow me at Vias Saran, <laughs> at Justin Morris, at Locked On Canucks. Yes. And please direct your hate mail to the Vancouver Police Department. <laughs> <laughs> can I say that? Yeah. Am I allowed? Okay. You sure can. Oh, oh.